0: Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Is everybody excited about the Word of God? Everybody excited during the worship? Okay. Um, you know, it's always an honor to teach God's word, it's only, always an honor to enter in worship as family, and I believe whenever we talk about these pastoral epistles as we've been talking through, as Kevin has been leading this conversation through scripture, I just want us to really gravitate to the understanding and thought that this is something tangible and powerful that we are part of, and that's the body of Christ, amen? Amen. And in being a part of the body of Christ, there is some structural things that we go through. There is some leadership items that we look at. And even through the teachings that we're going to look at, uh, we're actually going to talk through 1 uh, Timothy uh, chapter 5, uh, the whole, pretty much the whole chapter today. And I'm just going to start it off pretty quickly here. We're just going to jump into Scripture, and then we're going to go through there, from there. And then with that, I just want us to keep the mindset today. That we are a part of a family. Right? Okay, let's say that one more time. We are a part of a family, right? And you know what? It's kind of like that old show back in the day. If I could entitle this anything, it would be called Family Matters. Right? You know that that show, Family Matters, Carl Winslow, his wife, his family, Steve Urkel. You know, back in the day, they used to call me Steve Urkel all the time. (laughs) I don't know why, but, you know, it is what it is. But in the construct of family, family does matter. But in the biblical sense, family matters a lot. And how we treat each other, how we look at uh, how we help people, and how we even look at uh, spiritual leadership, all of that matters. And as we read through that, I want us to have that in mind, okay? So let's start in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, and read through it. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, "'But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. For she who is truly a widow, left alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives.' Uh, Command these things uh, as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his household, he uh, has denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband." And having a reputation of, for good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed feet, has, has washed the feet of the saints, has uh, cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger women uh, widows. I'm sorry, uh, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and uh, so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, uh, they learned to be idlers, going from house to house, and not only idlers, but only, also gossip, gossips and busybodies, uh, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, uh, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some having, uh, for some have already strayed after Satan. If any uh, believing woman has relatives or uh, relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let the elders who rule uh, well be considered worthy of double honor, especially to those who labor in preaching and teaching, uh, for the scriptures say, "You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads uh, out the, the grain, and the laborers deserve his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in uh, the presence of all, so that they, uh, so the rest may stand in fear in the presence of God and Jesus of uh, Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without uh, prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in laying hands, laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. I'm just going to stop right there, because I know the other part, everybody's going to look at and think about it all the time. It says continue, you can drink wine or something like that. I don't want us to think on that right now. But I really want to make sure that we grab this text and understand it. There's a lot in here, right? That's a lot of reading. But here's one thing that I need to make sure that we all understand this morning. Even though Paul is instructing Timothy, there's one thing that we've been taught through as Pastor Kevin has been teaching us is that... He is teaching, he's instructing Timothy, a leader within this particular church. And in this particular church, Paul understands, hey, you know what, you're gonna have to deal with some things right? You're going to have to go through some things and have some conversations that may not be the greatest conversations in the world. You're actually going to have to understand how to help those who are truly in need and understand how to teach those who are within the body of Christ of how to really look at those in spiritual leadership over them. Right? So he's, Timothy is a young pastor, and Paul's trying to instruct him because he has walked with Paul for uh, pretty much most of his uh, spiritual journey. So here we go in, in understanding this particular text. We need to also understand this. Even though he's instructing a spiritual leader, we ourselves need to put this in our own personal lives, not like it's a good idea but really as if it is Paul teaching us today. Regardless of what area you are in, whether you are in corporate America, whether you are a stay-at-home parent, or whatever it may be, it's taking on these attributes that Paul is teaching Timothy. Yes, it is something that we need to look at as a leader, that stamp, that approved person that is going to teach and preach and do the things that God has called. But we, as body of believers, also need to take this word for ourselves. Can I get an amen? All right. Because let's just say this, in the first two verses, it, it does take us somewhere. He, Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy about how to talk to one another. In, in the first two verses, he, he pretty much is like, hey, I, I don't want you, don't, don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men, as brothers, you know. He, he, he says also older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So whenever we look at this, we have to really understand that he is saying that Timothy is probably going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations from time to time as a spiritual leader, as a young pastor. But as he does it, He needs to make sure that he utilizes honor in order to have these particular conversations. He needs to make sure that whenever he is talking to older men, not to rebuke them. Has anybody rebuked an older person before? Good. I'm I'm taking that as a no, so that's good. But here in the sense, it's like this. He does not want them, he doesn't want Timothy to speak to an older man with harsh language Or a sharp rebuke, a sharp pushback, sharp language. Because at the end of the day, if he is speaking to a man of faith that has been walking in faith with Christ, and then Timothy is gonna talk to somebody about, you know, hey, you know, this is something that I've seen, he wants him to encourage that man, honor that man, as if he was family, as if he was a father. Here's something I will say that we tend to need in today's culture is that discipline. And if I was going to say what our first thought is today is have spiritual discipline on how you speak with those around you. We need spiritual discipline when engaging in conversations and conflict. How many know that we can utilize language that can really bring dissension real quick. How many know that so the wrong word at the wrong time can break things in relationships with one another? And when he, talks to Paul, when he talks to Timothy, Paul is really addressing the fact that, hey, I want to make sure that you are addressing older men with honor and respect as if you would your own father. Those who are your peers like your brothers, I want you to treat them like co-workers in Christ. I want you to treat them as if they're your friends, that you don't dismiss them. I, I want to make sure that whenever you hear advice from an older woman, make sure that you honor her her suggestions like you would your own mother. And whenever you deal with younger women, make sure that that you are above reproach in any particular conversation that you have, and that's why we need to make sure that there's spiritual discipline in how we converse and deal with conflict with one another. And I know today it's a really hard challenge because we have many different platforms on how we can say our own personal truth about any specific situation, right? Yes, we do have social media, which seems to be a place where we love to rebuke everybody. We see a lot of rebuke for everybody, right? But here's the thing, even when we utilize social media, when we're around friends, when we're around co-workers, those who are older than us, especially in this context, in the body of Christ, make sure that we have self-discipline when we walk amongst each other because at the end of the day, we need to remember this. We can either break relationships or we can continue to walk in unity together. And I believe what Paul is really trying to address here is to continue with the family to walk in unity. Don't break things. Don't walk in a harsh reality. Because at the end of the day, we don't know exactly what these older individuals have gone through in their life. We don't know the things that they've overcome. We don't know the things that they've learned. We don't know the things that they have wisdom on that they can impart in us. So at the end of the day, if we break relationships, it can mess up how we function together. See, the function of the family is very important, and that's why I said this is something that we have to keep in context, because family, this particular thing called the church, we have to remember is family. Yes, we're not, in some cases, some of us are related in blood, but a lot of us are not. But in the spiritual line of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we are related, And in being related, we have to honor and walk with each other as if we are family. When we're dealing with conflict, let's watch what we say. Let's watch how we talk to one another. I know that we have a lot of wisdom and knowledge because of Dr. Google and many other things in our lives. And because we have all those internet access and uh, informational access out there, we feel that we may know everything. But at the end of the day, here's one thing we may not know is where Christ has brought this individual from. And that's why we need to make sure we're, we're walking and talking with discipline. And yes, when conflict comes about, When we disagree with one another, it's not our moment to shine our informational status. It is the moment to shine the discipline that comes from the Holy Spirit in the language that we utilize and how we talk to one another. Amen? It's not the easiest word to say because I believe it's something that we all struggle with. We all struggle with it when we're dealing with our own families at times. We struggle with it when we're dealing with coworkers at times. We deal with it when we're dealing with our we, we struggle with it when we're dealing with our kids at times. Yes, even I struggle <laughs> with the kids at times. But here's one thing that I I, I think some of us know this. And I don't know. Maybe some of us know this, and a lot of us may not, but my family is from Uganda, East Africa, right? So in East Africa, it is known to be a high honor culture. In this particular culture, whenever you do anything, like a wedding, you have to go through the elders of each family, and the elders of each family will then r- look at the relationship that's going on and speak to that relationship. And on the wedding day, let's just say for the reception, my thing is, my thought is, I, I like to just eat, uh, hear the best man's speech, and let's get to dancing, right? Can I say that? Can I, can I say that? I don't know. But... <laughs> But at the end of the day, I like things to move and flow, right? But in the Ugandan community, and the Ugandan culture, you can't let things just flow. You actually have to sit down and listen to these uh, older individuals from two sides of the family, right? And these two sides of the family will speak for about 10 to 15 minutes straight. And, you know, at the end of the day, the concept is this. The two elders of each family are saying, basically, this is the story of this family, and the other side is saying this is the story of this family. And what we're saying today is this is the story of, one of these two families becoming one family. It's not just the relationship of these two individuals who are getting married, but it's the story of all of us now coming together, right? So, sounds so beautiful, <laughs> but try sitting through it. My goodness. But it's at those moments, even where I struggle, where a lot of us struggle culturally in how to deal with those who are older than us. But here's the thing, the stories that they have, the the foundation that they walk with, especially in the context that we're seeing here, Paul wants to make sure that Timothy is walking in honor and respect to those he is leading. He is not supposed to lead in a harsh matter. And I would say even today, whether we're preachers or, or teachers or... or or corporate America, or any place. I want to make sure that we all know today that we need to be disciplined in the language that we use to those around us, taking the concepts that we are learning through Apostle Paul and understanding that this is something, this is something that honors and pleases God. Let's be disciplined with our language. Let's be disciplined in how we deal with conflict. If we could ask ourselves the last conflict that we had, how we dealt with it, could, could we say that we passed the test? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> but here's the thing that we really truly need to think through it is something that pleases God in how we discipline our language with one another. It is something that keeps unity, it is something that keeps trust. It is something that keeps the concept of the body of Christ, which is we are family. Even though you were born of a different bloodline, we are family. He does utilize this, the language that Jesus uses about uh, fathers and, and uh, mothers, women, older women and older men in the concept of the gospels, He's just saying that, hey, if they're aligned with Christ, we do need to look at them as such. So let's remember that as we converse with others. Let's remember that when we do see an uncomfortable situation with others. Meaning, let's pray. If we know that there's a conflict that's coming, let's pray before we talk to each other. Let's let's really do it. If we see that uh, anger is rising up in us, eh, it's time to pray. Because that thing can just jump out and take over, right? When we see that an uncomfortable situation is happening, use the discipline of the Holy Spirit to help you. And in the first part, because there's three parts within this whole text that we read through, it starts talking about uh, widows. And in this particular church, widows were... Were being helped at a time, but then all of a sudden, within the concept of what Paul is teaching and instructing Timothy on, uh, some of the help was getting a little uh, diluted in certain areas, and basically he wanted to give more structure into how to utilize wisdom in helping people now I understand as we look through this uh, Paul is addressing the fact that you know every widow is not a widow in the eyes of that need help there are some widows that are young enough to to go back to family or even remarry especially in the context and the culture at that time and there are some widows that have family around them that can give them support and help because that would actually be pleasing to God if that work can particularly that can work can happen in the widows life there are some widows that have walked away from the faith and gotten into a different direction, and he needs, he's basically saying, be careful with helping. I know in our culture and our concept today that maybe this philosophy, especially specifically dealing with widows, um, may not be something that's a huge struggle in the city of Plano, right, the city that we live in. There's a lot of different ways of how to support, but I'm not saying that we don't help because our church has helped in many occasions those who are widows. But we have to look even at the concept of just help. Because in our culture, in our, our, our context today, there's many people that need help in many different facets of life. And at times, the body of Christ it, the challenge for us is how do we help and when should we help those who are in really dire situations? When I, when I look at the conversations that I have with missionaries and people that are assisting in... Uh, uh, the nonprofits are in this area, domestically, uh, we have to really assess how effective is our help going to be. How should we utilize this help to to express and to to advance the kingdom of God? Really, that's what we want to do. But in this context, is to really understand that the widows that he is talking about is family. These are those who are within the context of the church, and he wants to make sure that we are assisting the right people effectively now I want to say that you know there was a couple young men that came to the church not too long ago um, and Dana she's the one who introduced me to these uh, two individuals and uh, basically uh, these two guys were telling me that hey you know what we want to help the community uh, of DFW not because there are some people who have some financial needs right now. But one thing is, sometimes we feel the, no- the notion to just give money, right? We just want to help. Let's just give money real quick. But sometimes that's not the most effective help, right? And sometimes we do have to utilize wisdom in how we do help others. So these two individuals came to, to me and they were stating that, hey, we want to educate those who are younger in high school on how to how to take out loans how to how to do student loans or how to invest appropriately for their future how to plan and make a budget for themselves I said that man that's that's some pretty amazing help that's help that I believe that is utilizing the wisdom and discernment of God right right and I have to say that these two individuals, uh, they're here today. I don't want to say their names because one of them is a, a Giants fan. And we saw what happened to the Giants last week. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the heart in what they're walking in, I believe, is a godly heart utilizing the wisdom that we need to have today as a church. And some of you may ask what we do here at Legacy, especially for those who are in specific need. and I would say we do have a ministry called Helping Hands, and this ministry assists those out in the community and those who are in the church. And in this particular uh, ministry, we do have a form, and this form asks a lot of questions. Some of you might look at the form and say, this is abrasive, man, come on, calm down. Uh, But at the end of the day, in order for us to effectively help those who are truly in need, we need to utilize the wisdom in God's finances appropriately. And in in order for us to do that, we have to know what's going on in their life so that we can make the most wise decision. Amen? And really, that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy is, utilize wisdom in how you help those who are widows and he even gives them practicalities of how to move forward and how to help so if I had a second thought it says we need to use wisdom on how to help those in need Utilize the spiritual discipline that comes from your relationship with Christ through your conversation, through your devotional life, and figure out, hey, Lord, how is it that you want to lead me this particular direction and how to assist those who are not only in our particular lives, some of us have to deal with family members that are always asking all the time for finances, right? Some of us are dealing with uh, people around us that are always in need for something, and we then have to utilize wisdom on how to effectively help. So not only is this something that we can take as a body of family, as a body of believers, but we need to also take this as something we can take at home. Let's utilize wisdom and how we assist one another. Because it is a very pastoral thing to do. I know not everybody here is a pastor, but here's the thing. It is something that I know that pleases the Lord. Effectively helping those in need with the heart of christ with the love of god discerning utilizing his wisdom and helping so you know in this conversation of things we now understand that hey we do need to utilize discipline when we talk to one another we also now understand we have to utilize wisdom in how we help other people now I have to say that this part is, uh, let me just say, a little awkward for me, okay? The reason why it's a little awkward because it talks about somebody similar to the position that I hold, somebody in a spiritual leadership type of role, right? And then it talks about how you should honor uh, the, that specific person, right? So well, for me, it's a little awkward, so I'm just going to ask for your grace as I talk through this, can I, can I receive your grace this morning? I don't believe you. <laughs> can I receive your grace this morning? Okay, thank you, thank you. But here's the thing. When we, when we walk through this, this conversation of spiritual authority, Apostle Paul is wanting to instruct Timothy on how the church should view those in spiritual leadership. And viewing spiritual leadership, especially in today's climate, has been a little interesting. And I understand that there's many different platforms that many people preach in many different areas. And sometimes when we get to YouTube or we get on other, other things, we start listening to people and then we start saying where we disagree with people. I would say on that, we, we need to be careful we need to be careful in our hearts, in our mindsets, and how we respond to those who are leading other congregations, right? But in this particular sense, we also need to be careful in how we look at those who are in spiritual leadership in our congregation, right? One of the things is this: they, we should honor those around us who are in spiritual uh, leadership. They deserve the honor. Here's the thing that. Uh, we need to, to, to recognize. We honor those in spiritual leadership because not only they are accountable for their family, but they're inca- accountable for the family of God. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that not only do they have to answer for their own family, not only do I have to answer for my own family, but I have to answer for how uh, we utilize the finances here for missions. I'm accountable for that. It's something that we should really take a moment and respect. And even in looking at the lead pastor uh, here, Kevin, I I respect him a lot. There there are conversations where we could say, you're pushing the boundary, Patrick. No. Um, But here's the thing that we all need to do. Even with Kevin in the place or any lead pastor, it's really taking a moment and honoring the fact that not only has he said yes to the call or anybody else on the team here, every single pastor on the team here has answered a call and stated that not only they're going to be accountable for answering to the Lord for their family, but for the family of God. And I, I really believe that that is something that earns some respect, right? And in, in this concept, it's like this. As I talked in the first two verses, we are talking about how we speak with one another, right? And really, he's identifying one thing. It's how we address each other, basically, as family. And if we truly take a step back and try to recognize what God's vantage point or viewpoint of family looks like, this is not a hard thing to really grab our mindset around. It is something that works in unity and how the church is actually supposed to function. Us honoring each other is how the church is supposed to function. Us honoring each other is how the family is supposed to function. It is something that delights the Lord, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, <laughs> even as it, we were talking in verse 2, uh, there's one thing I did forget to say, but I have to add it because it goes in context because it talks about how we sometimes can be accusational of those in leadership and even in our language with one another. One thing that we need to utilize is that discipline of how we speak, how we honor, how we respect those in specific roles. And it comes to my mindset, like I said, I, I grew up in a family that was Ugandan, and then there were moments where we did watch the show Family Matters. Anybody, did, did anybody watch that show back in the day? Okay, all right, so Family Matters is a, an amazing show. Right, and there were moments and times where it caused confusion for me, because the the dad or the mom at the end of the show, there would always be some situation with the child or somebody in the family. Right, there would always be an issue with somebody getting in trouble and somebody getting trying not to get in trouble, and maybe uh, and that by the end of the show they do get in trouble, but there's always this conversation at the end of the show. Always this conversation, and it has the sad, well, not sad, but it has the encouraging music behind them. And then, basically, it's like this, son, I know that you crashed my car. I know you didn't listen to me when I said you're not supposed to take out the car, and you took it out for a spin, and then you crashed it. But I just want to say I love you. And these mistakes happen. And I just want you to know that even though you are grounded that we love you. And I always remembered asking my parents, I said, well, uh, mom and dad, why don't I ever get that conversation? (laughs) I'm confused. Is this how it's supposed to look? Because I'm pretty sure I forgot to put away the dishes yesterday, and that was not the conversation <laughs> that we had. Right? And my parents would always say, at least my dad would always say, he, he was funny sometimes, but he would always say, well, this is a, those American shows. Give me one of your friends. I've talked to their parents. I'm pretty sure their conversations are just like ours. <laughs> but here's the thing that I come to respect about shows like Family Matters, or Full House, or those shows at the end of the, uh, the, the conversations that they have, is that there is a sense of honor. Whether it is a young uh, child getting upset with their parents and having that conversation, whether it is uh, the, the marital couple getting in a conflict and resolving the conversation at the end, it shows and reflected honor. And really in a sense, this is what the text is about. It's how we honor each other. It's how we honor each other and how we talk with one another. It's how we honor each other and how we help one another. It's even how we honor those in leadership above us. It takes a discipline. It takes a a moment and understanding that, hey, I can either create an atmosphere of unity by continuing to utilize honor or I could break it. I can get in my flesh and just break the whole thing. And in that, the risk is this. If we're not disciplined with our language, if we're not utilizing wisdom in how we help, if we're not effectively understanding how we should honor those in leadership above us, um, we could see a lot of breaking points in the body of Christ. And I really believe that's what Paul is trying to teach Timothy in this. Not only are you going to take on the leadership of a church, but they I want you to understand this. You can make or break unity. You really can. We can make or break unity by simply how we choose to honor and love one another. So today, my hope, my challenge for you is not only that you hear this message today, my hope and my challenge today is that you receive this word, that you place it in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to help you as you walk in your everyday life, not only here in the body of Christ, but even in your workspaces, with your family, with your husband, with your wife, with those who are in your sphere of influence, let's utilize this particular text because there's so much here and on top of that I really challenge you to to take some time and read through this too because not only is is this something that we hear in a sermon but this is something that effectively challenges our life to be pleasing to the Lord So let's remember those things. Let's remember how to be disciplined in our language, even when you're driving. Yes, I know you. I've seen you. I'm joking. I have not. Uh, But make sure that you're utilizing good language, especially if you have Legacy Church's uh, (laughs) sticker on your car. Just just make sure you're doing that, but at the end of the day, really honor each other. Show the picture, because at the end of the day, when we stay in unity, when we stay in honor with one another, we continually share the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? Do you receive that this morning? Can we pray? Father, right now, we do thank you. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts and in our minds this morning. And I ask, Father, when it comes to being disciplined in how we speak to each other, utilizing your wisdom in how we help each other, and even having honor for those in spiritual leadership over us, I just ask in Jesus' name that you assist us with your spirit in all of this. That everything that we're doing, I I know that we're not all perfect all the time, but Lord, challenge us to do more in this concept, to do more in what Paul is teaching Timothy and how to effectively lead this church. Teach us how to be effective family members in the body of Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit, to say the right things at the right time that would encourage those who are older than us keeping unity with our peers, with those who are younger than us. And as we do, Lord, may it always send the picture of who we serve, which is you, Lord Jesus, the one who came, the one who died for all sins of humankind, the one who rose again the third day and Send it to heaven and the one who is coming back. May it send a unified picture of how we live and honor each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.